Hello, 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 my dear human becoming, and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I'm thinking at the moment that I might transition human becoming to being a bi-weekly podcast, and then if there's like a surprise episode in the middle week, amazing, but I'm finding it that I'm finding that I procrastinate a lot more when I expect myself to show up at a weekly basis. And I think there are probably a million reasons for this. Um, but maybe that's the topic for another podcast. Anyway, whenever I show up here, I feel wonderful. And that's the fun thing about procrastination. Like the thing always seems so like, oh, that's going to be so horrible. I'm not going to know what to say. What am I even going to make an episode on? And then sit down and it just flows. And this is the case with any creative project <laughs> or with anything that we're creating in the physical reality. Like so often it's, ah, but this, ooh, ah, ah. and then you actually get down to doing it and it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Okay. <laughs> so today's episode of the podcast, two weeks ago, I created an episode about leadership in the Aquarian age and spoke about the kind of transitions that human becoming is making and that I'm making inside the human becoming project. And we will be continuing in that vein. And I also think that's part of why I'm experiencing anyway, there's a bunch of big stuff happening in the cosmos, like Mars, Uranus, and the North Node uh, conjuncting. Is that a verb? Can I make that a verb? Conjuncting <laughs> in 18 degrees of Taurus. Um, and this is a conjunction that hasn't happened in thousands of years. And with the North Node getting lit up and also Uranus being this like huge energy of revolution and change and transformation and newness and then also uh, Mars being like this action. And there's just been for me, I've been totally wiped out energetically in this past week uh, and really just acclimating to the new energies that are coming online, that are descending onto planet Earth that are here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was that was hard for me just to let myself rest, but it was also really a wonderful lesson and honoring my boundaries and honoring my capacity and not coercing myself, which is an edge I've been working on lately in my own human questing, wizarding, magician journey. So today's episode is going to be about money. Money, 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 money. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm really excited to create this episode to give you some context into why I'm creating this episode. Like one, like one, uh, one, <laughs> didn't need to add the like in there, for one, I really love speaking about money and I'm pivoting a lot towards money in the business. And I really think this is so fucking important. Like, I think money stuff is so fucking important. And I'll tell you why. The people that I am passionate about supporting, and at a deeper level, right, there is a cohort of us that came into this incarnation together and we made certain agreements about the work that we would do on planet Earth to shift consciousness in a very different direction through our work, through our creations, through our manifestations on this plane, in this physical reality. So I am the, let's call me admin support for the cohort. 
That's my sacred role and responsibility. As a Virgo rising, I really want to support the cohort in 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 the really earthly physical reality stuff, you know, like how do we get things done? I'm the project manager uh, over over at the cohort headquarters. I'm project manager. I'm admin support. I'm like going to help you with the really nitty gritty, like you need to create this book, this podcast, this offering, this business. You need to create this platform. Okay. How do we get that done? That's really a lot of my role here. Uh, Literally, how do we get that done? And then how do we get that done in the physical reality inherently leads us to what in your internal reality needs to shift so that it can get done? right? Like, because it could be done already. So why isn't it? And not from a place of shame or, you know, so why isn't it done, huh? No, not at all. Um, Rather, very matter-of-factly, why is it not done? And that why not leading us to, I haven't been trying hard enough, you know, if I just try trying harder, which is a joke one of my clients and I make, like, did you did you just try trying harder? <laughs> and that's that shame voice that's like, did you just try trying harder, huh? Why don't you just try trying harder? So that's not what we're doing. Uh, but we're saying, if there was no internal block, if there was no internal resistance, it would have come into manifestation. It would have come into the physical reality. This thing would be true. So why is it not? Hmm. (sighs) Maybe there's an internal block, and this is where the shadow work comes in, right? That's either some part of your consciousness or your unconscious, you know, more accurately, but part of your vast soul experience that is totally revulsed by the the thing that you want to create. For example... I want to show up and create this podcast. That's one part of my consciousness, right? I really want to create this podcast. I believe in human becoming. I want the human becoming transmission to get out into the world. I want people to receive this transmission. Yes, yes, yes. Haha. <laughs> and then another part of me goes, really? Do you really want that? I mean, people could think you're like fucking nuts. And then like the whole world would be able to know that, that you're like fucking bananas that you should just be locked up because you're totally insane and crazy and like are you really gonna go in a public fucking plat like on a public fucking platform and share these thoughts from your innermost and that doesn't sound so good and then maybe another part of me also says like can see that by me showing up consistently for human becoming human becoming continually continuously is attracting new listeners, new people who want to receive this medicine. By me showing up in greater integrity with who I am and this transmission that's coming through me for the cohort, the cohort can find me, right? Like I become like a beacon for the cohort. And something about that reality is really scary, right? Like, so then, even though this sounds contradictory to our egos, because our egos say, what? I want to be in community. I want to meet my cohort. I want to connect with my people, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, but actually it's like you've enjoyed the the kinky torture of feeling that you are all alone for so long. So my consciousness here, my unconscious could be like, you know, we actually love and most of the time consciously we won't ever let ourselves admit to this. But my unconscious, when I can admit to it, goes, we actually love feeling like we're so alone 
We love feeling like we're so uniquely special and unique and like there's no one like us in the universe. So by continually showing up for human becoming, it's like this fucking excruciating ego death where I realize that there are people out there who have the exact, not same experiences, but like who are in my cohort. There are people like me out there. What the fuck? It was so nice for myself to believe that I was so unique and special and different and no one could ever be anything like me. And, you know, I could go to the meta level and be like, that's true. We're all unique, blah, 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 blah. But for the part of my consciousness that just loves reveling in the like, no one will ever get me. I'm just so, you know, uh, for that part, actually showing up here for the podcast continually and and having people connect through the podcast fucking excruciating ego death but if we are just associated with our egos if we are continuing to us insist that we are just our egos then we're gonna we're we're not even gonna be in touch with this other thread we're gonna be totally removed from this other thread <sighs> right from this other intelligence that's coming up and saying like something about that reality sucks and so what i do in the cohort is i really focus on like okay there's the thing that you say you want wonderful amazing and part of you does really want it now let's go to all of those unconscious blocks that prevent you from getting that thing because you can have anything that you want anything that you desire is possible for you point blank period but there are unconscious blocks and so you know, when we hear this in the manifestation world, it can feel really confusing because it's like, oh, I can have anything I want. Why don't I have everything I want then? Is there something bad with me? Am I just not manifesting well enough? Am I just not a good enough manifester? And it's like, no, none of that is true. You just don't know this crucial piece about connecting to your unconscious. And of course, if you are interested in this, read Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. Queen, love her to death. Anyway. So this episode is about money, 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 and money is such a fun, fun place, but another reason why I'm fucking turned on by money and sharing it with the cohort is one of the cohorts just, you know, neuroses. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I don't like pathologizing. I'm just totally teasing you. Um, one of the things that the cohort really struggles with is like this martyrdom, this feeling of like martyrdom and like we need to save everyone else. We're martyrs. We need to save people. We need to save the world, you know, and there are really beautiful things about this this consciousness, but it's also uh, really disempowering <laughs> for ourselves and for other people. If we think we need to save people, one, in some ways we think we're better than them right? Like we are, we are the enlightened saviors who are coming to save you. How often has that gone wrong? Um, colonization of the entire world. <laughs> we are the enlightened saviors and we are coming to save you. So that level of consciousness really don't fuck with it. Uh, and <sighs> yum. Yes. That level of consciousness, really don't fuck with it. Nothing wrong with that level of consciousness. Once again, it's not about shaming that, you know. I've been there. I fucking, my savior kink, my martyr kink, oh, so hot. And also really ignores that other people are sovereign beings and I am sovereign as well. And my job is not to save anyone. My job is not to save anyone. And if you are an artist, a healer, someone who cares about changing the world, 
and moving the world in a different direction, your job is not to save anyone. Your job is to be yourself. And through being yourself, you become this beacon of what is possible. That inspires the God consciousness, the beautiful light (laughs) inside other human beings. And they say, whoa, that's possible for me too. So you're you're not awakening anyone, you're not healing anyone, you're not saving anyone. You are you are becoming a beacon of possibility that lets people find that strength, that wisdom, that light that you have within yourself, within themselves. And this has also been the old paradigm of healing, you know, that we heal people. We don't heal anyone, that we save people. We don't save anyone, that we need to sacrifice ourselves. That's what the martyrdom thing is. We need to sacrifice ourselves for the collective. And it's like, you actually don't need to do that. Uh, (laughs) And we're leaving that consciousness behind. Thank you so much. Beautiful martyr, savior, kink. I fucking love you. You're so juicy. Ooh, could just eat you up. And also, no, no, no. So why am I bringing all this up? Well, money is a wonderful site for all of our martyry, saviory kinks to come out. Ooh, money is like the hottest place where the I can save you thing comes out. And even if you are not someone who works, so I don't say, like, I don't identify as a healer. I say I work in the capacity of healer. I really just see it as an occupation, right? Like, And most of the times I just call myself a practitioner. I don't really use healer language anymore. But let's say you're someone who who holds this capacity in your work, right? So you might be a coach, you might be a tarot reader, you might be psychic, you might be a medium, you might be an artist, you might be a writer, you might be a podcaster, right? Um, And if you're here and connected to human becoming, you care about the upliftment of human consciousness. So let's say you're in the space, wonderful. But maybe that's not your work. Maybe your work is something totally different. And where this plays out is like in your familial relationships, in your romantic relationships. Let's say you often find yourself in the kinky position of being the therapist friend, you know, who <laughs> who's just saving everyone in your friend group, saving everyone in your family. Everyone just becomes helpless and powerless in connection to you and is like, please, my dear, please save me. I can't save myself. And this is where, you know, sometimes we'll judge that consciousness that's like, please save me. I can't save myself. No need to judge it at all. I love being the powerless victim. It's like one of my favorite roles. I fucking love it. It's so wonderful to be like, save me. I can't save myself. I need your help. You know, it's like very lame is. I don't know, very, (laughs) it's just giving a certain energy, which I adore. Love it, love it, love it. And also, on the other side, there's like this super kinky energy of like, oh, oh, ah, my helpless victim, I will save you. Ah, poor, poor human who does not yet know, I will save you. Do you know how self-righteous and superior that lets us feel? It is like so yummy. And I love self-righteousness and superiority. Wonderful sensations. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Also, 
not the consciousness that we're moving towards. <laughs> so, you know, celebrating everything that we've gotten to play with in this kinky little earth realm. And we probably still will be able to play with these things, you know. Um, but I really believe that we're moving to like us, you know, sovereignty is such a big word these days, but it's a good word. Um, and really, you know, to demystify sovereignty for anyone who's like, I've not heard people speaking about sovereignty yet. For me, sovereignty is really about us being our own boundaried selves and humans, right? So like moving away from codependence and enmeshment, which is essentially what the savior and savee dynamic is. We're moving into I am my own person. It's what in attachment theory we would call individuation. So in attachment theory, you know, you're kind of focusing on these two forces, attachment and individuation. Attachment is connection, right? Our ability to be connected to other beings. Individuation is our ability to be ourselves. When we're looking for really fucking yummy intimacy, we're looking for relationships that let us be in connection and let us be ourselves. If you're anxiously attached, you're likely to um sacrifice being yourself in order to be in connection and if you're avoidantly attached you're likely to sacrifice connection to be yourself both of these are trauma responses and we're looking for that sweet sweet spot in the middle nothing wrong with a trauma response i just want y'all to have really you know joyful easeful lives where you're able to metabolize a lot of your trauma and i just want to bring that piece in there Capish, are we together? Are we together? Yes, we are continuing. So, <laughs> little attachment theory tangent aside, um, we're moving into this age of learning how to, I personally believe, in the Piscean age, we really learned a lot about the enmeshment, the codependence, the, you know, not really being in sovereignty. The age of Aquarius feels like an age of sovereignty and individuation. But personally, I actually think this age is about the meeting of individuation and attachment. We have learned in the past we came from communities that really knew how to balance the attachment piece, but they neglected individuation. You know, it was it was actually dangerous. And that's where shame evolves from, you know, that to, to, to be diverse from the group actually becomes a bit like, ooh, because you need the group to survive. And that is where our brains developed. That is the environment that our brains developed in, one where attachment was so much safer than individuation. Then under capitalism, you know, so I think capitalism in some ways, like I don't have any beef, so to speak, with the people who created capitalism and all of us who perpetuate it because, you know, um, we're all in this messiness and that once again isn't to shame us or blame us but i think capitalism in some ways was evolved from this like trauma response to like i'm going to be a fucking individual <laughs> and and then and we've seen how that has not been good for human society either like when there's such a focus on on just being the individual we have billionaires who hoard wealth right like that that a small tiny group of people um, that could gather in a room and have more wealth than the rest of the billions of humans on planet Earth. Like, that's really intense. Um, and and there's a way that we've lost community, community ideals, community ways of being, of thinking, of taking care of one another, community care, right? So for me, the Aquarian age is 
is coming into healthy individuation. Capitalism is unhealthy individuation. It is individuation that will kill us. Um, and, and also it's coming into healthy attachment, not Piscean codependent enmeshed attachment. Capish, Are we together? Yes, we are. Continuing then. <sighs> so we're coming into this new age. Amazing. Sovereignty. Ooh la la. What does all this have to do with money? Well, to bring it back to the cohort. In the cohort, we have this big wound of saviorism and martyrdom. And that was also the Piscean age. Piscean age was defined by martyrdom. So this belief that we have to sacrifice ourselves for others, that we have to save others, we must, you know, be the witches burned on the stakes. Once again, wonderful lifetimes. Love those experiences of just being like burned and totally turned on by my community. And, you know, uh, however, <laughs> we're moving into a different different age, different era, new consciousness. Come on, let's go. So part of this new consciousness is changing our fucking relationship with money. I'm in a swearing mood today. I'm like changing our fucking relationship with money. But we are. We're changing our relationship with money. Money has been a place where many of these wounds have have played out around attachment, individuation, sovereignty, codependence. All of this has been enmeshed in our relationship with money. And no matter how much we want to divorce ourselves from money, no matter how hard we try, money is literally a part of our physical reality right now. Who knows in the future? Who knows how money will change? Who knows how exchange will change? Because money is just a form of exchange and, and making exchanges, you know, this for that. Who knows how that's going to change in the future? But for now, money is a part of this reality. And if we are going to enlightenment, really, truly, what is enlightenment? It's not transcending the conditions of this reality and just kind of like living in the ethereal realms because hello, that's our true fucking nature. And if we just wanted to experience our ethereal fucking nature, we could have chosen not to incarnate <laughs> onto earth. So why did we choose to incarnate onto earth? To metabolize trauma, to be part of this wonderful earth story, and to find a balance between being fully incarnated and with the shit here on earth and being totally connected to our ethereal nature. So when we just try to be in that ethereal, no, nothing in this physical reality matters, la, 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 I don't actually think we are um, on the path of enlightenment or endarkenment, because <laughs> that's what, <laughs> thank you, Bayo Komalafe, for endarkenment. Uh, he might have mentioned in a very different context, but I think enlightenment is part of this obsession with like light, upward, forward, and that's part of what got us into capitalism. Once again, to go on a little tangent. This society, what's considered more correct, right or left? Right. I'm going to answer this for you. What's what's considered better, forward or backward? Right. You're moving forward versus like, is your moving backward a compliment? No. Forward. What's better, up or down? Oh, you're moving onwards and upwards. You're moving down. No. Right. And think about it. The upper floor, the penthouse suite, like up. Under capitalism, up, right, forward is considered the best. And so that's also part of enlightenment. Like, and, and light is considered in that quadrant. And then the things that are bad are dark, backward, down, left. 
<laughs> this little quadrant, right? And that's our unconscious. That literally, like, you can see everything that is in the right upward forward quadrant. You can literally not, like, imagine it as a physical quadrant behind you. Everything that is backward, down, and to your left, you can't see unless you turn your head. So the work of alchemy, the work of making the unconscious conscious, is the work of turning our head towards the unconscious, not because it is bad, but because it's simply been placed in a corner where we intentionally do not see it and has been called bad. There's nothing wrong with the darkness. There's nothing wrong with endarkenment. So if we're on the path of endarkenment, if we're on the path of enlightenment, then we need to learn how to balance the ethereal and the earthly, the grounded. And that is personally as, you know, cohort admin support checking in. That is what I do. So continuing on. Money, 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 money. Under the cohort, what do a lot of people do? Oh, we should just be doing this work for free. We should just be doing this. And maybe, maybe if if you are someone who who does work for money, tarot readings for money, makes art for money, um, you have a business that you're creating. If you in some way are offering your creativity in exchange for money. You might have heard yourself doing the, if you're part of the cohort. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, you know, I shouldn't, I, I should just charge the bare minimum for this. You know, like this should be accessible to everyone. So I shouldn't, I just like, it, it's so, I mean, and then the shaming stuff is like, it's so unethical. Like, you know, under capitalism, people can't access these services, these products. I should just make them free if I can. I should make them as, as affordable as possible. Like, ah, that should just be true. Basically, I should charge nothing. Thing and I should suffer so other people can be okay. Okay, and wonderful. Love, love, love <laughs> the energy of this, you know, like it's so wonderful. And also self-sacrifice is like so hot. I'm thinking about the male tarantula that like lets the female tarantula eat him and, you know, other species that do this as well sacrificing ourselves for the collective is super hot. So let's not shame this and let's not judge this. It happens in nature. It happens inside of us. It's okay. <laughs> and also, it's not really super empowering. <laughs> it's not really super empowering. It's not really that empowering to undercharge for our services. It's not really super empowering to devalue ourselves. It's not really super empowering to worry about where money is coming from consistently because we're not actually asking. Ugh, the ancestors are like, Bleh! we're not actually asking for the amount of money that we need and want to feel supported. I want to take need out of it in this paradigm that we want. What is the money we want to feel supported? And and what do we want to do with that money? And like, do we want to use that money for support? Do we want to do, use it for safety? Do we want to use it for fun? Like, how do we want to use that money? But <sighs> undercharging and, and undervaluing ourselves and our gifts is not empowering. Another thing that happens that's really disempowering in this is, so why do we believe that we have to undercharge, right? Because we believe that people need this thing that we're offering them. 
And, and, you know, and this is like a subtle place to do some, cause it's like, do they need it? I don't like selling to people who, who quote unquote need <laughs> what I have to offer. And this might sound really strange. You know, I like working with people who are like, I want what you have to offer. What you have to offer, that's really fucking hot for me, and I want that. That feels like a really empowered place when people are coming from a place of like, oh, I need this. I need this so much. Like there's there's a, a franticness to it um, and a scarcity to it. And it's not to say like I've worked with tons of people where I've been like, I need this. There's nothing wrong with saying need. I need this. I need this so much. I just really want to move to like a paradigm of desire and want. And so if we move out of this belief that people need us, right? Because this is also where we start compromising. Like, do people really, there are 8 billion people in the world. Like, do they really need us specifically? Would they be able to find the service somewhere else? <laughs> you know, or like, do they really need us? And, uh, and, and sometimes I think that reminds me of the devil in the major arcana in the, in the tarot, like the, the, with the chains around the two lovers neck. Um, and for me, this feels like the paradigm around desire in the tarot, the lovers and the devil for me are in polarity. So for me, the lovers really symbolizes attachment in its most empowered form when we are sovereign. And the devil symbolizes attachment in its least empowered form, when we feel trapped, when we don't feel our sovereignty. And for me, need, I need this offer from you. I need this art from you. I need you to coach me. Feels like it's the devil. And there's nothing, not shaming it. It just, for me, feels like it's the least empowered form of desire. And when we are in I want this. I want the art that you have to offer. I want the services that you have to offer. I want this, right? Like that for me feels like the lovers. Even just notice in your in your nervous system because I am going to start speaking more specifically to people who are selling things that they are creating and offering to the world because that's important to me. So, when you're selling something, you know, really feel into that. Like even just noticing when I say to you, like, I really want what you have to offer. Let me know how much it is. Versus like, I need what you have to offer. Tell me how much it is. I need and I know I'm playing into the energetics of it with the scarcity, but the need, it feels like there's the scarcity. And it also hooks our savior thing because it's like, oh, they need this from me. Well, then I have to offer it to them. So then let's say authentically your rate is $100 for an hour of your time um, or for the session. And and then they go, no, I, I can't afford that. That's just not going to be possible for me. I can't do that. Then you're likely to go into, well, let's speak about how we could make it. I could do it for 50. I could do suddenly you start, you know, shortchanging yourself da, 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 um, versus, hey, I really want to work with you. Tell me what your rate is. Oh, it's $100 an hour. Okay. I can do that. Or I can't do that right now, but I'm going to come back to you when I can. Doesn't that just feel like, like that is for me sales empowered. That feels so much fucking better in my nervous system um, than this like, I need what you have to offer. I will die if you don't give me what you have to offer. And it can be really wonderful to feel that needed. This is the shadow work, you know. It can be wonderful to feel that needed, to feel another human's desperation to work with us because 
oh my God, it feels so, and, and it might not for you. For me, it feels really hot to be needed. For you, your shadow might not enjoy that and they might, who knows. But at least, you know, I really enjoy that like desperate needing just as much as I, I, that's why I love codependence. I love enmeshment, such hot sensations. And also, once again, what's the mantra? Not the consciousness that we are working towards embodying. So, <laughs> money, 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 money. Money is not a dirty word. It is not bad to ask for money. And really the paradigm that I want to shift us out of as healers and artists is this place of like, I need to make my my services as as inexpensive as possible. I have to cross my own boundaries to charge rates that don't actually feel good for me because humanity needs this. That's saviorism and martyrdom. What's a more empowered form of sales? I know that what I have to offer is so profoundly meaningful. I know that it's not just meaningful for the people that receive it, but it's meaningful for me to create. And I know that I do my best work when I'm really showing up for myself, when I'm showing up for my boundaries, when I'm showing up for my pleasure, when I'm showing up for what feels good. (sighs) Mm, 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 mm. So juicy. So I know that the real gift of my life is showing up joyfully for the work that I get to create. And I know that when I do the savior and martyr thing, I usually go into resentment, right? Because this is what happens. We go so into, okay, fine, I'll do this. I'll lower my rate. I'll do this for free. I'll da 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 Eventually, we feel so resentful of the work and we feel really fucking burnt out. And that's not sustainable. And right now, God needs us to be fucking sustainable, people. <laughs> God needs us to be so fucking sustainable. The universe needs us to be so sustainable. Consciousness and this call for an upliftment in consciousness needs us to, to do the work sustainably. When we burn out, we can't show up for it. We can't show up for it. And what we're needing to do is to continue showing up for it. So what is the question then we ask, that we ask then, you know? How do I keep showing up for this work? What is going to make it possible for me to show up for this work? And do you know what I have to say to that? What is going to make it possible for you to show up for this work? Money. Money is going to make it possible for you to show up for this work. Money is going to make it possible for you to show up for your work. What is the reason that so many people who have an incredible vision for the world have an incredible vision for society, have an incredible vision for how how planet Earth could be different. What is one of the biggest reasons, at least that people will, you know, that that people will verbalize that they can't do that? Money. Money. And money is not a bad word. And in spiritual community, you know, it can really start to become like this bad thing. And if we're really spiritual people, then we don't ask for money. Then, you know, if we were really spiritual, we wouldn't receive any money for our services. If we really cared about the upliftment of human consciousness, we would not charge for our work or we would charge the bare minimum, you know. And it's like, just just see how we're, we're, we're perpetuating capitalist and colonialist extractive logic when we do that to ourselves. We are extracting from ourselves in the same way that these systems extract from us 
us while saying it's in the name of God and consciousness upleveling. <laughs> make it make sense, please. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> we we cannot we cannot heal this consciousness if we are not willing to do something radically different, if we are going to move out of capitalism, out of the extractive and coercive logic of capitalism, colonization, white body supremacy, patriarchy, if we are going to move out of the extractive and coercive logics of these systems, we have to stop extracting from ourselves and we have to stop coercing ourselves. And what does it mean to stop coercing ourselves? It means to set fucking boundaries. And what are boundaries? <laughs> <laughs> our boundaries are, you know, I'm thinking of the Prentice Hemphill, you know, the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Our boundaries are our protection. Our boundaries are our bubble of sovereignty. Our bubbles, our bubbles, our boundaries are the things that let us show up pleasurably and joyfully for whatever we're doing. So money and our rate and what we charge for our services and our art and whatever we create, money is a boundary. Money, our rate, that is a boundary. Making sure you show up for yourself and the money that you want to be making, that is boundary work. That is taking care of your boundaries. And that is vitally important, right? Capitalism conditions us out of having boundaries. We've spoken about boundaries on human becoming. You know, I think boundaries are so fucking important. <sighs> and. We need to do the work first. That's what leadership in the Aquarian age looks like. It's not saying, yes, everyone else have boundaries. Everyone else take care of yourself. But me, as a person who is providing care and is providing new imaginative possibilities through my art for the collective, me, I'm not going to have boundaries. Me, I'm not going to take care of myself. I'll rest when I'm dead. Or this like weird notion that we'll rest when we get to the finish line. You know, there's this song that I grew up listening to by, it's called Ella's Song by Sweet Honey and the Rocks. It's a struggle song. I love it. But it says, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. I grew up singing that song until recently I said, you know what? Fuck that. We can and will rest until freedom comes. This idea that we have to work and overwork and overwork and overwork and cross our own boundaries and martyr ourselves and save the collective, and then when that's done, we can rest, it's bullshit. The truth is, it's kind of like when we say, you know, like, it's like, oh, no, I'll rest when this thing happens. Often we don't do that. I'm thinking about um, a dear friend who's doing this. Like, when we tell ourselves that we'll do something, for example, I'm not going to make this money ethically. But when I have a lot of money, then I'll start making money ethically. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> you you do the you do the process. You do the process. You do the process. And when you start in the process, that's how it ends. So if your goal is to be in this place of abundance, of financial independence, of prosperity, of sovereignty, but you're saying, you know, until I get there, I'm going to cross my own boundaries, not rest, take care of myself, and be really extractive of myself and others for labor. What the fuck? What destination are you going to? Like, <laughs> we can't, we can't drive to the place that we're going in a radically different way than then we will drive when we get there. You know, I can't think of an analogy or a metaphor here. 
but it just doesn't make sense. Process goals are important. The process is important. The process is the whole fucking thing. When we set goals, they are simply to facilitate a journey. That is all goals are created to do on planet Earth because it doesn't actually matter. The goal doesn't matter. Getting the a million dollars doesn't matter. Building the house, it doesn't matter. Um, having the kids, the wife, the blah, 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 it all doesn't matter. And that might sound really, you might be like, whoa, is Timmy turned into a nihilist? No, it doesn't matter because like none of this is real. <laughs> and this is just a playing ground. <sighs> This is just a playing ground for us to have fun and learn some shit until we go back to knowing ourselves as God, right? And the goal of Earth for me is to know ourselves as God here so that when we die, wink, wink, we know ourselves as God, you know, through the, through the whole process. It's to bring more God to planet Earth, bring more God consciousness, bring more awareness of God to planet Earth. <sighs> Yes. And by God, I mean, you know, the overwhelming and all-pervading consciousness that runs through the universe, like not a religious God anyway. We set goals so that we can create a journey, right? But the journey is what's important. We came down to earth to have experiences, not to accomplish things. Our human egoic minds think we came here to accomplish things, but none of that matters and it won't matter in a generation and it won't really matter in two. What matters is the only way it will matter is if it's part of the continued evolution, right? If it creates, if it's creating a new foundation for which your descendants can evolve from. The work that matters on planet Earth is the work of evolution, of ourselves evolving and creating the space and the room for our descendants to evolve in turn. But they will not remember in two, three, four generations the accomplishment, the book, the house, the land buying, the whatever. They won't. <sighs> but they will. They will have the greatest gift that you could ever offer them, which is the gift of the healing work that you have done internally, right? The gift of you moving from savior consciousness to sovereign consciousness. That is a gift that they won't even know potentially that you gave to them in the same way that there are gifts that our ancestors have given to us that we don't know. We don't know who, which ancestor gave it to us, but we know that it is our ancestral inheritance. And that's part of the work that we're doing here. Anyway, this all comes back to money to say money is not a bad word. Money is not a dirty word. Money is something that we need to support ourselves in getting to the destination that we are getting to, in, in completing the journey that we are completing. And we're no longer, I think it's the old paradigm of healing that we say, I'll rest when we get there, I'll take care of myself, I'll da-da-da-da-da. No, we do that now. And how do we make time for rest? How do we make time to take care of ourselves? We need money, right? Like that's part of this physical reality. And I wouldn't even say we need. Money makes this shit a whole lot easier when we can afford to access the care and the support that we need, when we can afford the, the things that will provide security for us, like a home, um, an apartment, right? Like a place to live, shelter, food, all of these things. 
all of the additional learning opportunities, travel, all the things that enrich us, all the things that help us grow and expand and compost and decompose, all these things, money can support us in that. And so I'm going to be doing a lot more money work. And if you follow me on Instagram at the shameless witch, the dot shameless dot witch, you'll see me speaking about this. And also in a about some time, I can't think of dates now, around the equinox, the next equinox, the upcoming equinox, which is just under two months from now, I'm going to be starting a money coven, a money magic coven. And really, I want to focus on supporting people who are in the cohort. So people who want to create a different world, want to move the society and human consciousness in a different direction, and want their work to be part of that, and also feel all this stuff around money and it being unethical and not being sure how much to charge and like not feeling comfortable around money, not feeling comfortable naming their rates. It's going to be a six-month container to really go deeply into the money wound, into the ancestral aspects of it, into the unconscious shadow aspects of it, into the somatic and nervous system aspects of it. We're going to be into the mindset aspects of it. Like We're really going to be making room for what I call the abundance blueprint, right? And, and the abundance blueprint is an embodiment. It's not about convincing ourselves, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, but not actually feeling it. The abundance blueprint is about feeling truly the abundance that is available to us here on planet Earth. And money magic has been the way that I have tapped into that blueprint, not because of the money that I've been able to manifest, but because of what money manifestation and money magic has taught me and allowed me to rewire in my nervous system. So much so that I now realize it's never about the money. And it's also about the money. And there is nuance and paradox. And if that sounds fun and exciting for you, stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let me know that you're interested. It's going to be a closed coven. Um, so once the doors um, close, I believe we will be going for the six months and not letting new members in. The monthly commitment is going to be $99, which I just feel so fucking excited about because, oh, Yum. Ha, ah, I'm I'm creating something so magical. And and I've had times in creating it of like, am I being too generous? You'll get a sense of like just how much is going to be held in the coven. Am I being too generous here? And that's like my own scarcity showing up, but I really want you to have these tools. I want you to be able to create more money in your life. I want you to heal and have a safer and more secure attachment to money. And if you want to be guided by me in that work, send me a DM. I love you and I will speak to you soon.